All right. Good, good. Hey, you know, welcome everybody, um, transit family. Good morning. It's a it's a pleasure to be here, to be able to to share the word with you all. Now, some of you might be wondering here, and some of you might be wondering online. Still bald guy, but not but not Pastor Nick. All right. So we got we got. The, the, the left-handed bald guy coming out of the bullpen today to bring the word. Um, Nick was feeling a little under the weather, asked if I could, could step in and preach, and then I realized that this is Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm like, is he getting ready for the Super Bowl? You know? So if you're invited to a Super Bowl party at Nick's house, you know, let, let me know. Um, but anyway, I'm John Scott, so I guess you could, could call me an old new guy an old new guy, because I was here at the transit, uh, me and my family, 2013 to 2017. So that was the last time that, uh, that I preached at transit, which was actually at the, uh, at the school, so not here. So this is my first time preaching here. The Army brought me back. I'm serving there as an Army chaplain. Um, so like I said, it's good to be back, even in a, in a different place. So um, uh, a little bit about me real quick. Born and raised all my life in Ohio until I joined the Army. All right, somebody from Ohio over there? Good. Um, and I'm a proud graduate of the University of Cincinnati, hence the, hence the jersey, because my other team, the Bengals, are playing in said Super Bowl tonight. Um, and though I don't have any Bengals gear, I, it has been a long 33 years since I was probably a freshman or an eighth grader or something since Cincinnati Bengals have played in the Super Bowl. Um, so I decided to, to represent by wearing my team, who was the first group of five team, if that means anything to you, to make it into the college football playoff this year. So it's been a good year in Cincinnati uh, for, for football. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We are here, as the, the, the bumper said and as the screen says, we're here in the Sermon on the Mount series called Kingdom Ethics. So over the next several months, we're going to be breaking down different sections of the Sermon on the Mount to to see really what God values, to learn about the kingdom, to learn about that ethic, that character, that being, that, that, that God really empowers us, you know? He really empowers us to have that when we seek after him because we can't do this on our own. We can't do this on our own. We need, we need God to, to be in it with us. So today we'll start with the, the Beatitudes, so that's uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 12. So if you've got your Bible or your app or whatever, you can kind of get there. That's where we're going to be today, looking at the Beatitudes, which is uh, basically the, the intro to, to the Sermon on the Mount. As we go through this the next few months, remember that this happened really in one sitting. So we're breaking down and looking at sections of something that happened um, all at once, probably spread throughout the length of a day. So as we get ready to jump in, would you please bow with me in prayer? Lord, thank you so much that we can gather here in fellowship to greet each other, to, to be together in your name, to sing, to fellowship, to hear and enjoy your word, Father. We thank you for that. And I ask that you would speak 
to each one of us today as we take this look at your word. Help us to see what you have for us, Lord. Help us to grab on to your truth. Help us to grab on to you, Lord God, and depend on you with, who, who gives us everything, Lord. All great and wonderful gifts come from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, like I said, I am an Army chaplain. Right now, I'm doing what all Army officers dread, and that's I'm working on the Army staff. All right. So I'm at the Pentagon working on the Army staff as the communications officer for the chief of chaplains. Uh, so in my role, think uh, kind of a little bit of a press secretary, um, a little bit of a media liaison, a little bit of a researcher, a little bit of a writer is kind of what I do right now. So I decided to, to take a chance with my opportunity. You know, Nick said, hey, can you preach? I said, hey, you asked me to preach, you're going to get what you get, right? <laughs> so, so what I decided to do was write a press release, write a news release for the Sermon on the Mount, as if there was an embedded reporter kind of taking notes on this. So let's jump in. See, I think we've got the headline up here. Headline, homeless healer wows crowd. Capernaum, Israel. Jesus, the people's rabbi, stopped at a local hillside yesterday and captivated a multitude by turning their worlds upside down with incredible teaching about the kingdom of God. The man from Nazareth stunned the crowd when he interrupted his synagogue speaking and street healings to declare eight seemingly contradictory states of being and character that lead to God's blessing. Seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus told the crowd. He emphasized that God blesses those who seek his heart and his values regardless of outward appearances and circumstances. These are the eight traits and accompanying promises that Jesus shared. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets before you. So, of course, that's our text. That's Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 3 to 12. But let's step back a moment from, from the article, because I wasn't just going to read the article and then, you know, pray for us, do communion, and, and head out. You know, we got to do, do at least a little bit of preaching, right? Um, but let's step back uh, for the article and, and take a look at this introduction uh, that Jesus has on the Sermon on the Mount. But my, my main point, or the main point here, what God is telling us is God 
supernaturally blesses those who seek and desire him. Supernaturally. God supernaturally blesses those who seek and desire him. That's how it's so perplexing. That's how, in a way, and we'll get into this, but in a way it doesn't make sense. Like, how do these things equal a blessing? They sound really hard, especially when you get down to that verse 10 area and you start talking about persecution. Uh, but as, before we get into that, I've got a quote from John Stott. Stott, S-T-O-T-T, not S-C-O-T-T, um, so I'm not, you know, getting my own, my own quotes up here, that talks, that, that will set the, the frame, okay? The Beatitudes set forth the balanced and variegated character of Christian people. These are not, not eight separate and distinct groups of disciples. Think about the, the fruit of the Spirit. People say the fruits of the Spirit, but it's fruit of the Spirit, Okay, so everybody has these things in, in some degree. Some, so it's not a distinct group of disciples, some who are meek, while others are merciful, and yet others are called to endure persecution. They are rather eight qualities of the same group who are one and the same who are at one and the same time are meek, merciful, poor in spirit, pure in heart, mourning, hungry, peacemakers, and persecuted. Stot with a T after the S. So, so this isn't a uh, this isn't a, a, a menu. You know, this isn't the, the dollar menu at McDonald's or whatever where you go down and you pick, you know, one or two items and then you can upsize it or something like that. Now, you can upsize if you continue to plug into God. You know, that's, that's the hope, right? That's the goal. That's, that's what we want to do is get more and more of him. But, but God em empowers us to have these, to grow in these in these character traits. So each of these blessings represent a state of being. They represent who we are. They represent who we can be. They represent who we're growing to be. See, they represent opportunities for us. On the surface, this may look like a, a to-do list. You know, merciful, check. Poor in spirit, check. I got to get a little more, you know, uh, hungry. Got to get a little more thirsty, you know, do that. So let me check off this list as a way of maneuvering God. If I do these things, if I gin this up in me, then God owes me the kingdom of heaven. He owes me these other blessings. But that's not what it is. What Jesus is doing is teaching about the supernatural results of following his father. As you follow God, these things, they manifest in us. As we follow God, as his children, we grow under his nurture, under his teaching, under his care. These characteristics are the supernatural result of wholeheartedly seeking God, seeking God with a whole heart. So let's start for... I'll just say this right up front, because I'm actually one of these guys, so I don't know, but when it comes to preaching, I don't do things necessarily always in order. So as we walk through these verses, those who are expecting us to go from 3 to 12, I I'm going to apologize up front. We we're not, we're not going to do that. We're going to jump around just a little bit in this passage. Okay, so 
God supernaturally blesses those who desire and seek him. And then let's break that down into some, some subpoints as we look at the text. God promises the kingdom of heaven to those who seek him. God promises the kingdom of heaven to those who seek him. We're going to look at verse 10. All right. So we're going to start. We're going to start at the end or what uh, we would say in army speak with the bottom line up front. All right. So, sort of the, the big idea. So verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets before you. Persecution. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Now, there's not some secret Greek behind that persecuted that, that means, you know, BMW, Escalade, house. There, there isn't. You know, that's, that's persecuted is, is what you think it is. But it shows that worldly comfort and standards aren't how God judges righteousness. Now, why do I bring up the Escalade and the Beamer? Because... Years ago, before I was a chaplain, um, I was still in the Army, but years ago, I was at a church that me and my wife had been going to for a while, and the pastor on this particular Sunday got up and said, hey, God wants you to drive an Escalade. God wants you to drive a BMW. God wants you to have this house with all this land and acres and all that stuff, and if, and if you don't have it, it only takes a mustard seed of faith, so you've got to look at yourself and see where you're falling short. That was our last Sunday <laughs> at that church. That was, that, last, that was our last Sunday at that church. But, but this is to say that when you look at the Bible, he's talking about persecution being a sign of blessing. But it's not just any persecution now, because there's probably some things I can do to get persecuted pretty easily. You know, there's some things I can do to get persecuted pretty easily, but it's persecution for his sake. But all this flies into the face of what the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes were teaching in that day, and it flies in the face of the prosperity gospel that says that when you're blessed, you're going to have all this stuff. If you follow God, all this stuff is going to be yours, and if you don't have stuff, then you need to press in more. You need to do, you need to give more. You need to volunteer your time more. Whatever it is, you need to do more if you have less. But let's think about it, okay? This, this, isn't, this isn't in my notes. But let's think about it, right? John chapter 13, after Jesus washes the disciples' feet, he says that you're going to be like your master. Do what I do. He died on a cross, so how should we expect that someone who showed that sacrificial love, that his sign to us, that we believe in him, is an Escalade? Now, if you drive an Escalade, please, <laughs> continue to enjoy said Escalade. I'm not saying that. It's just that that Escalade isn't some type of mark of following Jesus. It's it's a result of hard work and dedication, you know, great. And all great and wonderful gifts come from Jesus, all right? But it's not a sign 
But let's talk just real quickly about the persecution, because it's a certain kind of persecution. Just being persecuted is not some kind of badge of honor to wear around your neck and say, hey, look at this. Um, only persecution for righteousness sake, for following God, for following Jesus. That's the only persecution that, that he is talking about here that result in the, the blessing, that result in being the child of God. Now, I'm going to step on some toes here, maybe, but I'm going to try not to. I'm going to just try just just tap a little bit, okay? Not stomp on the toes when we talk about persecution, because God doesn't care if you take a stand for your political party. God doesn't care if you're so Republican, so Democrat, so independent, so libertarian, that you feel like I'm on God's side within this political party and these political things that I'm being persecuted for are some type of sign of righteousness. God doesn't care about that. God doesn't care about how you feel about COVID-19 protocols. Whether you're mass, no mass, vaccine, no vaccine, deciding who, who's afraid. Oh, they're getting vaccinated because they're afraid. Oh, they're not getting vaccinated because they're afraid. Okay? It works both ways, and God, he don't care about that. Um, and our different social issues are very, very important. Are very important. Taking care of the poor. Treating people, their value of the image of God. Um, showing that love for our neighbor, for our family, for our enemies. All these things are important, but they, even in themselves, are not what God is talking about, just persecuted just because you're doing something that matters for its own sake. Say, so, yeah, that's a lot. But I will, I will venture to say that that's also not my opinion, because in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 5, when the Israelites were about to go take the promised land, promised, promised from God, when they were going to take the land that God told them to take, that God set aside for them, that, that God told Abraham his descendants would inherit. When they were on that mission, Joshua encountered an angel on the road with a drawn sword. And Joshua said, asked that angel, are you for us or are you for our enemies? God sent them on this mission. This is God's angel on the road. The angel answered, no, but I am the captain of the Lord's army. So that's why I say it's only for God's sake that this persecution Matters Because even when Israel was going in to capture the land that God had set aside for them, that he promised them, that he gave them the victory, when asked, when the angel of the Lord was asked, are you for us or our enemies? He said, no, but I am a captain of the Lord's army. God is bigger than our politics. He's bigger than our issues. So I'm not saying those things are right or wrong, but they are not primary. All right. I would say, I'm going to get off my soapbox now, but I'm actually not, right? Okay. So, God, God, you know, he, God promises the kingdom to those who seek him. Let's, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. All right. God blesses the humble. Now, we're going to jump back to verse 3. All right. God blesses the humble. And the text says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now we're going to jump to verse 5. 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek. Why do I put those two together? Why do you go from verse 3 to 5, man? Come on. You already started with verse 10. Um, because these two both reflect humility. Humility is a common thread in that poorness of spirit and in that meekness. There's a, there's a humility there. Those who are poor in spirit realize that they're incomplete without God. They realize without God, I can't do this thing. Without God, I, I, don't, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what to do. They realize that, that they're incomplete, that they don't have things figured out, and that, and that, they, they, that they need God. So they, so they seek God. You know, they seek God, and, and they will be the citizens of heaven because they're, they're running after God in everything. And the meek are a lot of things, but they're teachable. There, there's a teachable in meekness. It's not, it's meek. It's not weak. It's meek. The, the, the meek realize that, that, that they need to be willing to learn. They are willing to learn. They want to learn because they know that there's so much more truth out there. Even as we think we've grasped it, there's still more. There's still more to God. You know, Paul says that he sees dimly now as in a mirror. So until we're on the other side of this thing, there's always more for us to learn. And the meek understand that. The meek are that good soil from the parable where the seed falls and it multiplies and increases, you know, 30, 60, 100 fold. That's, that's who the meek are. They learn they yield an increase. So both the poor in spirit and the meekness, there's really a thread of humility there that says, I'm confident in walking with my Lord that I can achieve, but at the same time, I know that I don't get to a point where I can walk without him and still do his will, still be a good father, still be a good husband, still be a good worker, still be a, a good wife, mother, friend, cousin, whatever, there's a need there. And that need isn't just any old need. It's a need to be filled with the Spirit, depend on the Son, and be a child of the Father. All right, keep going. I'm bogging down. I'm feeling it, but I'm, I'm like, I'm bogging down, right? All right. So, now we're going to go to verse 4, since we skipped it. But first, God blesses those who mourn their current state of being. God blesses those who mourn their current state of being. Man, that's heavy. So verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This doesn't mean that we have to walk around in a state of mourning or a state of grief all the time. This is mourning that says, this world's not quite right. This isn't all that there is. This doesn't line up and square with the promises that God has made. It does line up with the truth, though. You know, we, there's, some, there's some, some heavy stuff in the Bible. But they realize that this isn't all there is. They realize that the person who dies with the most toys does not actually win. 
All right? That's what, that's what they mourn. They lament that God's rule hasn't fully come. There is a, there is a, a, a little bit of a mourning there. You know, even as we enjoy things, we know that there's, that there's more. And that's the confidence. You know, that's what keeps us from being, you know, down and out and feeling sorry for ourselves is that we know that there is more to come. So even as we mourn, we continue moving forward because we know that God wins the victory. God blesses those who tenaciously seek his will. God blesses those who tenaciously seek his will. Blessed are those, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They'll be satisfied in this life because they have a purpose. They have the purpose, the most important purpose, and that's to love God and to love people, to love those around us. God made this creation, and we can celebrate it. So there's a satisfaction there. But the hunger and thirst, because, again, we know that there's more. There's a promise that God has. Here, yes, but also the eternal life in the world to come. So there's a, there's a whole lot for God. And that's why it's great that we don't hit some mark here, say, if you're a late bloomer like me at age 21, and, and we come to Christ, and that's it. You know, we come to Christ and then we just go about the rest of our days. No, there's more to do, learn, grow, experience, love, more time to fellowship. But there's a hunger and a thirst to continue doing it. So that's why they will be satisfied. My oldest daughter, Johnny, she said, Dad, are you going to do a sports analogy? It's Super Bowl Sunday. And you said you always do sports analogies. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not really feeling a sports analogy today. But here's a quick one. Right? Here's a quick one. Because if you, if you um, guys are, uh, you know, athletes, men and women that are later in their careers, people always ask them, are you going to retire? Are you going to retire? Are you going to retire? You know, I don't know. I still got more in the tank. But a lot of times they say, I'm still hungry. When I don't experience that hunger, then I'll, I'll get out of this thing. You know, I'll get out of this thing when I don't experience that hunger anymore. I'll retire when just the, 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 beating of the body is, is not worth it. Um, then I'll get out. We don't have to worry about that, the beating of the body and all that stuff, because the hunger and thirst for God is perpetual. So we don't have to get out. We don't have to retire. So that's my best hit at a sports analogy for today. All right. Okay. Um, moving on. God blesses those who pursue peace and reconciliation. Verses 7 and 9. So he did it again, all right? He did it again. He skipped verse 8. Verses 7 and 9. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Merciful and peacemakers. See, that puts that persecution in, in context. In context. So we're not persecuted because we're seeking conflict. We're actually doing the opposite, seeking peace and mercy, and people will still persecute for that. So that's, that's how we have to kind of measure 
that, that persecution. We don't get to just sprinkle some Jesus dust on it and say people are treating me unfair because I'm a Christian. Are they? Is that really it? Or is there some underlying thing that you're just hoping God will, will co-sign on for you? All right? So blessed are the merciful and the peacemakers. I put these together because there's that theme of, of reconciliation here. There's that theme of restoration. There's that theme of caring that runs through both of these. And mercy, mercy is amazing. Mercy is very circular. It, it's, it, it just keeps going, you know. It just keeps going round and round. It's like one of those uh, charts that they have sometimes at work that have, like, you know, different little events on here and the arrows they go in a circle and sometimes they got arrows on both ends pointing to the circles you guys know what I'm talking about um, so they say there's not a definite starting point and some of this stuff happens simultaneously well mercy's kind of like that the merciful know that they received undeserved mercy from God they know that it's clear God I don't deserve this mercy that you've given me so they're willing to give mercy to others because they're able to relate. They're able to see that need in others. And then God continues to show more mercy as we seek him. So we receive mercy. We give mercy. We receive more mercy from God, continue to grow. And that creates more room to show compassion for others. So when we really tap in to that, because God showed us mercy, it can continue to grow and grow and grow. There's no stopping point. And the peacemakers <clears throat> build bridges of reconciliation. They build bridges between themselves and maybe those they've had something with through forgiveness. They also help others build bridges. You know, Proverbs, uh, uh, you know, talks about stirring up strife between brothers, between family members, between other people, but peacemakers, we're going to try to bring this thing back together when we're outside of the situation rather than egging it on or getting somebody, you won't do it. No, you won't. No, you won't. You know, we don't want to stir up trouble. We want to be peacemakers. And then peacemakers, of course, want others to have that reconciliation and peace with God as well. So the mercy and the peacemakers, they're, 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 clo they're closely related. I've got to talk real quick about adoption. Because when we talk about reconciliation and being reconciled to God, we know that there's that adoption in the scripture, you know, adopted as sons and daughters. I'm adopted. I'm also an adoptive parent. And I know there's people here in the transit or if you're watching online that either are adopted or adoptive parents as well. Here's the truth about adoption. Adoption only happens when there's a problem. Okay? And like I said, I say that as a, both an adoptive father and as an adopted son. There's no need for adoption if there's not something that's broken. Adoption is great. It's wonderful. The Scott family who adopted me are the reason why I'm the person that I am. But, but there was a problem at the beginning of that in my family of birth. And this goes back again to that, the, the, the hunger, the thirst, the meat, all of it, is that we realize that there is a problem. God has the answer 
And it is being reconciled to him through his son. So we can escape the pain and the trauma of that brokenness through that adoption and that welcoming in to the true family of God. All right, moving on. God blesses those who are people after his own heart. God blesses those who are people after his own heart. So I'm bringing verse 8 back in. And verse 8's a little heavy, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll be all right. We're going to be all right, all right? All right. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure at heart. Man, that's heavy. That, that is really heavy. If, if, if the, the DNA of this church and Acts 29 wasn't to just preach the word as it's laid out on the page, I might have just been like, oh, man, you know what? My bad. I, I forgot about verse 8. Like, I, I meant to have it there, but we'll just, we'll let Nick add it back in next Sunday, you know? <laughs> the pure at heart. Well, what we're looking at here at the pure at heart is they realize that they need God. They realize that God guides, <clears throat> protects, and restores. They realize that God guides, protects, and restores. So it's not that you bring this pure heart or that you purify your heart or that you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and now you've got a pure heart and now you can see God. No. The pure at heart know that they need God that they can't figure it out on their own. And then they humble themselves and seek after him. The pure at heart know that without God, that sin, death, and Satan are there just waiting for them. And there won't be an escape without God. And again, just like with the persecution, I, I don't think this is my opinion. All right? I think, I think scripture would say so. Self-perfection is not the standard. If you go back to Genesis and read about Abraham and his adventures with Sarah two times, he said that his wife was his sister, and that was it. He's like, hey, she's my sister. And one time, she wound up with uh, Abimelech. Abimelech took her, took her as his wife because he said, hey, she's, she's just my sister, Okay. God came to Abimelech in a dream and said, hey, she's married to Abraham, you know, so I didn't let you touch her, but what I want you to do is I want you to give her back to Abraham, and he will bless you. So after lying, God still said, this man who lied to you will bless you. And we know in Genesis 12 that, uh, that God says that, Abraham, that all people will be blessed through Abraham. Scripture describes David as a man after God's own heart, not just in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. So after David lived his life and did everything that he did, got one of his best friends killed because he slept with his wife, he is still recorded as a man after God's own heart in the New Testament. So pure of heart is, again, it's another reason for that meekness and another reason for, for that, 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 that realizing the, the poverty of spirit because 
God gives room, and we can forget, and, and He will forgive us as we run after Him. So, the point again: God supernaturally blesses those who seek after Him. Seeking God is the most crucial purpose that we have as people, all people, whether we know it or not. Seeking God, that's the most crucial purpose that we have, and abundant life and abundant living come in realizing the, the blessing of eternal life that we are promised hinges on running after God. All right, so now, real quick, we'll jump back into this article. We'll jump back to, to this article. Let's see. You got it up there? All right. I think we think we might have skipped something, but okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. All right. So I'll keep reading. When asked how these conditions could lead to blessings, Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And now I know you had this on the screen. She just had it up there. Jesus's authoritative delivery astonished the crowds because they had never experienced anything like this before. Gwen Scott, visiting from Alexandria, said, this teaching changes everything after listening to Jesus's address. Jesus explained the kingdom of God in more detail, which we will cover in sub subsequent articles. To learn more about Jesus and the kingdom of God, you can follow him physically. You can also join a community of believers and watch for the anticipated forthcoming bestseller, The Holy Bible. To enter the kingdom, place your faith in Jesus, the Son of God, as your Lord and Savior. My new job, you can, you can get some fun out of it, right? You can get some fun out of it if you try. Um, so what does this mean for us in 2022? Seek God everywhere that he can be found. Seek God everywhere that he can be found. In uh, Luke 10, 27, and I don't have it up here, but in Luke 10, 27, that's his record of when Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? And in, in his rendering, he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And then, of course, love your neighbor as yourself. So seek God everywhere he can be found. Seek God with all your heart and soul. Seeking him through the Spirit. Seeking God through prayer. Both praying and listening for God. Now, spoiler alert, none, none of this stuff is going to be innovative or, or creative. <laughs> you know, seeking God. It's, it, it's difficult, but it's not hard. Right? It, it, it's difficult sometimes for us to, to, really, to really push in, but it's not hard. The things are very simple. It said that Jesus' yoke is light. If we had to jump through a bunch of hoops and do, you know, 40 pull-ups or something, unbroken, strict, um, then, then, you know, we might be in trouble. I'd be in trouble. But the yoke is light, so this isn't, this isn't new. 
but sometimes we just need to be reminded. So seek God with all your heart. That means that spiritual connection, those ways that we can connect with God in spirit. Seek God with all your strength. All this stuff isn't just for some life to come. There's opportunity here as well. So physically, we, we seek God in fellowship, in community, just like we are here, like we are in community groups, like, like when you go out to, to uh, serve the community, right? Forgiving people, that takes strength. That takes a lot of strength for forgiveness, but we, we do these things. God can be found in all these places. Seek God with all your mind. Now, this is, this is some, where some people nerd out. I'm actually not a Bible nerd, um, but, I, but I play one on TV sometimes. Um, but read, study, test. Test the words that we hear. Read the Bible. Study. It, it's, it's, it's how we fellowship with God. You know, we can, it is, it is a way. We fellowship in spirit, but we can also fellowship in that more directed way. We can sit at the feet of our master as we seek God with our mind. And then seek God through loving your neighbor. As I said before, family, friends, coworkers. God, why you do this to us? Enemies. Enemies. Love your enemies and pray for them. Seek God where he can be found. God can be found in all these places. All right. Now let's land, let's land this plane. So I'm going to finish out the last piece of this article. So they teach us in school that the last part of these news releases is called a boilerplate. And it is a statement that's, at, that's attached to all articles that reflect the, the mission or the vision of the organization. So for the boilerplate to end out this article, I could have went a lot of places, but I thought of nothing better than, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I don't know where everybody's at, but God is for you, no matter where you're at. Even if you're driving an escalator or beamer, you know, God is still for you. But God is for you in those lowly circumstances as well. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. He sent his son into the world so that the world might be saved through him. All right, worship team, you guys can, can come up here before I get started in round two or something. All right. God supernaturally blesses those who desire and seek him. He sent his only son to make a way for us to be reconciled to him, to make a way for us to return to him. So seek God everywhere that he can be found. In James's in James's um, epistle, he wrote that as we draw near to God, God draws near to us. And that's really what these Beatitudes are about. They're about a character that pleases God. They're about a character that draws near to God. They're about a character that God approves and blesses. So please bow with me in prayer before we get ready to take communion.
Lord, thank you that you did make a way where there wasn't a way. Lord, we thank you that while we were yet sinners, you sent Jesus to die for us. So, Father, help us each and every day to see where you're going, to give us the courage to follow, Lord God, and encourage us, Lord, in the times where we fall short or where we are persecuted for righteousness' sake, Lord. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.